Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Back and better than ever, Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance, and we are rolling along as we kick off Super Week on this Monday. We've got the best shot of the weekend, the worst team of the year, a quarterback no one understands, Rich Gannon coming up live, and the assembled members of the hashtag, hashtag crew are ready. Let's rock and roll. Here we go. Here we go! Only one place to start. All right, my place to start is my buddy Jeremy Fowler, who was sneaky tall, was in our studio this morning for Get Up, and it stays uh, for a few extra minutes here with the Straight Talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. NFL insider extraordinaire. You see him on ESPN all the time, but if you've never been in the same room with him, and Fowler, you and I have not been in the same room a lot of times. Each time I see you, I am taken aback. How tall are you? (laughs) I'm six foot four. Yeah, you're sneaky tall. I'm only 16 years old, so I'm, I keep growing. That's the problem. <laughs> we, got, we got into the elevator. We both arrived in the building today at the same time, and he gets in the elevator, and I said, oh, I think it's Jeremy. Whoa. And I look up, and I'm like, holy smoke, he's a head oh, yeah. taller than I am. I can hoop a little bit. All right, yeah. we got a million things to get to here. I, I, all the stuff that we covered on Get Up today, I want to go through as best we can here. Yep. I feel like you are of the belief that the likeliest outcome – of the Aaron Rodgers offseason is that he remains in Green Bay. I don't want to put words in your mouth, and I know all this is fluid. Yeah. But from the people you talk to, is that right now your sense of the likeliest outcome here? If I were to pick a scenario right now, I would say yes. The wild card is, though, there is no more unpredictable quarterback in the NFL than Aaron Rodgers, right? right? He could show up tomorrow and say, oh, you know, I kind of, I'm going to go to Hawaii for six months, and then I'm going to come back, and I'm going to be on a different team. Like, right. You know, so that's the uncertainty. But from the Packers' standpoint, the fact that they've come out full frontal in unison, publicly and privately, and said, you know, we're adamant we want him back, uh, speaks a lot to me because they weathered the storm of last year and their strategy was, hey, we're going to sit back, we're going to let him come to us, he can vent if he needs to, but we're not trading him. And it worked out. You know, they didn't win the Super Bowl, but a productive year. Rodgers feels like he's in a better place with the organization. So it seems to be trending that way. Okay, That's fascinating to me because that is, um, that, that is the opposite of what I had sensed. Now, I sensed he was going to get himself out of there come hell or high water last year as well. And he wasn't – my feeling has always been – he didn't because he couldn't. He just right. couldn't find a way out with the contract. Right. But for him to stay now, not only do the Packers have to want it, but he has to want it. And they have to figure out That's a bunch thing. of stuff contractually, and they got to figure out the Devante of it all. And yep. the, he says he doesn't want to be part of a rebuild. I mean, all those things feel like they're big factors to me. Yeah, and he could do that. I mean, as you remember in the summer where he and Devontae Adams posted pictures of Jordan and Pippen with right. the last dance tease. Right. So they could still revisit that and hold firm and say, hey, this is it. We want out. Um, you know, they're going to have to, the, the Packers would regardless have to commit to him once again, long-term. He's got one year left on his deal. His contract voids in 2023, seven days before the new league year. And he's got a $46 million cap hit this year. So they, they have to address that. And I think if they're willing to say, Hey, Aaron, you know, we love you here. Here's what we're willing to do. Despite drafting Jordan Love two years ago, we're right. going to extend you. Uh, at a huge number, uh, I think that he would be satisfied with that. That would be my impression right now. Now, that can always change, and, and Aaron Rodgers is unpredictable. Right, we're greedy. We are presented by Progressive Insurance with insurance for cars, homes, boats, motorcycles, RVs, and commercial vehicles at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE and progressive.com. Meanwhile, he bought land in Tennessee. Aaron Rodgers bought land in Tennessee. And I know we made a lot of jokes this morning on Get Up and everything else about how well maybe I would know. I'm telling you right now, that's not a thing people do. 
like, I know a lot of people who have a lot more money than I have, including Aaron Rodgers. They don't buy land in Tennessee. Like, that's just not a thing <laughs> they randomly do. Nashville's a hotspot, though. I, I get that. But so, so you get yourself a condo in Nashville. Right. You don't buy land in a place you're planning on visiting every now and again. <laughs> so the fact that he bought land in Nashville, that's not, I, I get it. Like someone brought up, well, Rex Ryan bought land in Nashville. Rex Ryan lives in Nashville. Right. He didn't buy land there. He moved there. <laughs> there is a huge difference. When you buy land somewhere, yeah. you're, you're, you're basically saying you're doing one of two things. A, you are moving there. Or B, this is going to become my primary like vacation destination. Right. And unless we think that he and Shailene are going to be spending a ton of time in Nashville, hanging yeah. out on Broadway, you know, listening to all the, the country music. And again, Nashville, I get it. It's super hot. People love it and all that kind of stuff. But that's not where Rodgers is hanging out. Right. The fact that he bought land in Nashville had a lot of people pointing yeah. at the Titans who would be out of their minds not to go after Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, if, if they're forced, they would have to at least look into it. Forced? Uh, no, I mean, <laughs> they should if, be begging. If he moved there with intentions of playing with the Titans. Yeah. Or is uh, even considering it. Look, Ryan is, Tannehill threw three interceptions in a home yeah. playoff loss. Aaron Rodgers hasn't thrown three interceptions in a game in five years. Right. It is not insulting to anyone to say Aaron Rodgers would be a significant upgrade. You put Aaron Rodgers on Tennessee, they would never lose right. a game again. See, here's the problem. Ryan Tannehill's contract is set up for 2023. They could walk away. Right now, he's got a $57 million dead money hit, which not to bore you with the numbers, but that means like, that they would have to demolish a lot of their roster. No, I get it. That's not boring. $57 million in dead money. is not. You're it's not just, boring me at it's all. It's just tough to do. I know it's Aaron Rodgers. It would be tough to do right now. If it was next year, I could see it. Um, I know you take your chances for a top quarterback like Rodgers. I, I just, so why? I, know, I haven't gotten the sense they're looking for a quarterback. Why really does he have land in Tennessee? And this is what I want to know. Well, he's growing his hair out. Yes. So is, so do we he's going to get into the country music business. He does play that guitar business. on McAfee show. Well, do we think he like has... Like, at one point, I think he thought he was going to be the host of Jeopardy. Now, do we think he wants to become a country singer? <laughs> is, that, is that on the list of options here? Is he going to be hanging out? What is it, the Grand Old Opry? Is that right? Is that the, yeah. that's the place, right? We're, we're talking about Aaron Rodgers here. I like, understand that. Like, he could be kayaking in Guatemala right now. Like, right. I, I, I have no idea with this guy. Like, that, that was what was so fascinating about last offseason. Anything felt possible. And now he could buy land in Tennessee, and it feels totally, it feels totally plausible that he would do that. Yeah, I, I, look, I think he's going, and I think he's going to the AFC, yeah. and everyone continues to he, point to Denver, including me, because they've basically put together you know, uh, Green Bay West on the coaching right. staff there. Um, but but th- th- we have to keep some of the other options open. That leads us then to Russell Wilson. Because there was a moment in time when Russell Wilson, we thought, was definitely leaving Seattle, the yep. agent gives the list of four teams to Shefty. One of those is Chicago. They're set. One of them is Dallas. They paid Dak. Yep. One of them is New Orleans. That's a total rebuild, yep. right? Like New Orleans right now is like 70-something million dollars yep. over the cap. That is a to- – Russell, there's no earthly reason why right. he would want to go there right now. Sean Payton is gone. Yep. And the fourth one is the Raiders. So, I don't know. Like, they've got Josh McDaniels there now. Derek Carr is much better than people player. generally think. He's so top, where does yeah. this leave Russell Wilson this offseason? Right, because Derek Carr is a top 12 quarterback right now. Right. And, and so, you know, he's a pretty safe bet to keep and maybe extend. Um, I, would, I don't know if there's a logical spot because the problem is, let's say you take a team like Philly, right? Right. It has two top picks or three top picks. Three first-round picks. Yeah, three first-round picks. You know, they can make a move if they're not sold on Jalen Hurts. But that's in the NFC. I don't know that Seattle is going to want to trade him 
in their conference. If they do, they probably want to send them to the AFC. You know, Denver's a piece where if they can't get Rodgers, it makes some sense to get Russell Wilson. Right. You know, because they, they have a good running game. They're built on that, have been for a long time. All they've needed is a quarterback and somebody who's at least capable in the passing game. So Wilson would be a good fit on field there. I just sense talking to people in that organization that a trade is not something they're expecting right now. Uh, my sources would be surprised if he's dealt as of now. Um, they're in a better place relationally. That like They've gotten through the year and realized, okay, maybe, maybe we need each other more than we thought. Uh, but Seattle's still going to try to stay true to the formula of running the ball in defense. And if Russell doesn't want that anymore, he's going to have to force the issue and request a trade. I'm not sure that he's going to do that. All right, Greeny and Jeremy Fowler for another moment with us here. Let's make this one now. Straight Talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. Is there another big shoe that drops? Which is to say, if Rodgers stays in Green Bay, Wilson stays in Seattle, you know, there are teams out there that need right. quarterbacks. So what's another name I should be or fans should be thinking about as far as the possibility there? Well, I would go Jimmy Garoppolo because he's the one that's obviously going to be right, dealt. Right. Um, he's going to move. He's going to move, and he could fill you know a pretty big spot here. Um, Deshaun Watson's out there, and you know his Do we have case any sense of, of a timeline. Right. On that? His, I mean, it's, it's such an. I, I hate even putting that in a football context because obviously tough. it goes so far beyond that. But I mean, if he is eligible to play football again, right. then obviously that does become. A very interesting so option. He's hopeful that things will be resolved, whether that's in March before free agency, before the draft. It needs to be before the draft, right? Because right. if you're going to swing a trade, that's the time to do it. Uh, Nick Casario, the GM, knows that, like, look, he's been sitting on this for a year plus. Um, they're going to have to make something happen. Whoever trades for him knows that the suspension will be built in, most likely. Uh, but Watson is looking at fits, and he wants to win. And it's not as simple as before. It seemed like it was Miami or bust. Maybe another team or two he would consider, but he wanted to go to Miami with Brian Flores. Uh, right now, I think it's much more open, and I think he's attainable for a winner. Uh, and, and, you know, like teams like Minnesota, Tampa Bay, like they could come to mind here uh, and be factors if they want to be. Straight talk, wireless, no contract, no compromise. You just reminded me very quickly the latest on the Brian Flores thing. Like that, that just sort of yeah. keeps moving on. Uh, the lawsuit is out there. It doesn't look like he's going to get hired in Houston. That seems to be going Lovey Smith. He didn't – well, he wasn't going to get hired in Miami. Forgetting that, they hired a coach. The New Orleans job is the last one that's open. What, if anything, is new regarding the lawsuit? Well, everybody's really in a holding pattern right now because the next step is to see who joins this class action lawsuit. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's going to take getting through the hiring cycle, assuming Brian Flores does not occupy one of these last two jobs, which is not, you know, the Texans and Saints, which he's largely not expected to. Right. You get through that, and then it's like, okay, who's going to join? Is it, say, you know, a former head coach who's out of the game who maybe doesn't have an immediate job to worry about that they would go and join him? Uh, Hugh Jackson's been vocal about maybe wanting to do that. You know, if it's a strength in numbers type of thing, uh, it, could, it could force the NFL to act. But, you know, the NFL came out this weekend, made clear that they're, they're going to continue to try to find – some sort of solution here, even though you can't really legislate the desire of these owners. Um, maybe they can further incentivize and give teams that are actually making the hiring more draft picks as opposed to the team who's losing a minority candidate where, you know, you can still get – just to give teams a, more of a, a stronger reason to do it. Uh, or, or, look, that's such a – what can you say? I mean, that, that part of the story is so – difficult to talk about without yes. becoming frustrated at the very idea of it. There's also the Stephen Ross offered him a hundred thousand dollar per loss allegation. That's the one that feels yes. like if there is some sort of, you know, hard, fast, dead to rights evidence of that, 
that's one they can't just pretend didn't happen, right? No, and they say they're going to investigate that, so we'll see what the findings are. And that needs to be a true, real probe here because the, the feeling now, the growing sense around the league is like, okay, players are investigated and held to the, the furthest extent of the law or, or the uh, suspension. The, sure. Um, owners are not, you know, and I understand they own the team and it's maybe a different circumstance, but, it, you know, in this case, if it's compromising the on-field product and the integrity of the game – it's something that the league's going to have to dig into pretty severely here. All right. The sneaky tall Jeremy Fowler. Thank you very much for hanging out, my man. It's good to have you. Yeah. And, uh, Thanks, as Green. the news comes in, just you'll let us know. Hey, did you know that according to research, 90% of employers plan to enhance their employee experience this year? And if you need to add more employees, there's ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter's technology finds qualified candidates for your job, and you can invite your top choices to apply. Try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Greeny. On the way, Rich Gannon will join us live. Plus, the worst thing that could ever happen to a sport is about to happen to a sport. I'll tell you which one and why right after this. My name's Greeny, and this is ESPN Radio. Greeny, the podcast. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. And again, he is the host of the SiriusXM Blitz, weekdays noon to 3 p.m. Eastern time on the SiriusXM NFL radio channel. Terrific quarterback. Rich Gannon is with me on ESPN Radio. Good morning, Rich Gannon. Greeny, it's great to be with you, brother. We're out here in L.A. It's, uh, it's, it's the, the start of Super Bowl week, and everyone's excited for what I, I'm, I'm hoping is going to be a pretty incredible game between two teams that really deserve to be here yeah I, I agree I'm, I'm the the jealousy I hope that it is dripping from my voice as I sit here amidst the snow and the freezing rain in New York and here that you're <laughs> in LA enjoying the warm weather and everything else but I, I let's let's focus on the quarterbacks because that's what it's really all about you know and Hembo and I were just sitting here talking about this like you could make an argument that in his life as young as he is Joe Burrow has actually played more huge games than Matthew Stafford has. Stafford has been there in Detroit where they were they were just bad and they never won a playoff game. So he he played three playoff games before this. Didn't play in any games of that magnitude in college. Whereas Burrow, he went to Bryant-Denny and won that game at LSU. He played a national semifinal. He played a national championship game on the college level. And now these playoff games. So what is this for Stafford? How do you anticipate this for Stafford considering all that is at stake for him? Well, Green, you bring up a good point. I mean, you think about you know, Burrow and Stafford. I mean, they really entered the postseason with zero playoff wins. And now obviously they both won th- three straight playoff games to get here. But I think in Stafford's situation, I, you can say, well, it didn't have a lot of success in the postseason, didn't play in many postseason games. But I don't know how much of that is his fault. I mean, he, he was in a situation in Detroit that wasn't very good. I think at times it was dysfunctional. 
and he wasn't surrounded by a great deal of talent. I mean, the offensive line was mediocre. There was never really a great running game. Uh, there was so much turnover at the wide receiver position, even the coaching position. I think, you know, when you have a quarterback that's developing as a young player early in his career, and you have a new coordinator, a new play caller, a new system, it's tough. And I just think that that was a really difficult period for him. And I just think he really embraced this opportunity once he found out a year ago that he was going to get traded to the Rams and be able to partner with Sean McVay, who's a a brilliant play caller. I think he sees the game through the eyes of the quarterback. And to know that he's he's with a team that's coming off of a Super Bowl uh, a couple of years ago, and he just felt like this was an opportunity of a lifetime. And he's really capitalized. I'm happy for him and the success that he's had this year with the Rams. Yeah, me too. And, and you know, we had a little bit of a debate on our TV show this morning. I mean, I believe that he has justified it now. You know, I, I believe that the aggressive move the Rams went out and made to get him there were 30 teams that would give anything to be where they're sitting right now. I understand the objective is to win this thing, but I'm not one who will say on Monday morning, if the Bengals beat the Rams, I'm not one who will say that for Stafford or for the Rams, that this strategy of going all in as aggressively as they did was a failure. Now, I, I don't mean to bring up a bad memory, but, but you know, you're a guy who's been to a Super Bowl and, and, and came up just short in it. So what is your perspective on that? If the Rams don't win this thing, will they have... Will they have failed in the aggressive offseason and everything else that they that they had in putting this thing together? Greeny, I agree with you. I mean, what's the alternative? I mean, if you're not going to go all in, then what are you going to do? Right. I mean, you know, you, you can't fault Wes Snead and Sean McVay for trying to, to build a championship team now. You've got a quarterback that, you know, isn't getting any younger. He's a talented player. And I think, you know, you look at some of the decisions that they made to go out and get Von Miller to make those type of decisions even during the season, OBJ, and even adding Eric Weddle, who's, who's brought, I think, some stability. He's a great communicator on the back end. But I just think when you look at Stafford, uh, you know, I think if he can just behave himself, I, I would say this, the stakes are magnified in the postseason. Mm-hmm. In other words, if, if, he, if he throws a couple picks in a game like this, you're throwing those picks, you're giving the ball in great field position to a guy like Joe Burrow, and a good play caller and Zach Taylor, they don't need any help. I always said that when you're going into these type of games, there's such a, a premium on making good decisions and taking care of the football. I just think if Stafford plays like he's capable of playing and he, and he stays in his lane, in other words, he doesn't try and fit one into a tight window to OBJ or to Cooper Cup, and he just can take care of the football, I think they've got a really good chance. But I agree with you. I just think that you look at the decision to go out and get Matthew Stafford, what he's meant to this football team. I think he's obviously a, a better player than Jared Goff. I think he brings better playmaking ability. I think he's got a better arm talent. I think he's more accurate. I, and I think more than importantly, he brings some juice. He brings some energy. He brings some confidence to, to that football team. And I, I'm not so sure that they felt with Jared Goff that they had a chance to go out and be the best team in football every week. Rich Gannon with us here again, the Sirius XM Blitz weekdays on the Sirius XM NFL radio channel. And then there's the other side uh, through a quarterback's eyes. I, I really want to hear your uh, your breakdown of Joe Burrow, because when you look at the great young quarterbacks in the AFC, Herbert and Allen are so big and strong and powerful with arms. I mean, they, you know, just like cannons for an arm. And you got Mahomes, who maybe the flashiest, most spectacular plays of any quarterback we've ever seen. And you have Lamar Jackson when he's at his best. He just jumps off the screen so dynamic in the things that he does. So how is Burrow, who doesn't seem to have any of those obvious tangibles, how does he manage to be the one who's here in the Super Bowl and and, and the one that some people are looking at and saying he might wind up being the best one of them all? 
you know, Granny, when the, the Bengals made him the first overall pick back in, in 20, you, you just felt like this was not going to be the same old Bengals. And, you know, even going back and look at the 10 games that he played last year before he had the ACL injury, they, they were, there was something different about this group. I just think he brings an, an air of confidence to them. I think, I think some of his best qualities and intangibles are, are, as a quarterback are his poise, his confidence, his leadership. Uh, his his ability to play his best football late in games when it matters the most, and I just think that this team has rallied around that. And I just think this year, I mean, there's just, I, I've been saying really going back to September, this isn't your same old Bengals. I mean, you know, we it, it, for years the Bengals have been the laughing stock of the league. Even when Andy Dalton was there with Marvin Lewis, and they were winning ten games a year. I mean, they went through that stretch there. Dalton and AJ Green, their first four years together, they won forty games. But yet they'd get to the postseason and they would lose and lose in, 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 in convincing fashion. And I just think this is a different operation. I think they've improved defensively. I think they've gotten better around them. They've gotten more playmakers. They go out and get Jamar Chase. But I think the key to it all is is Joe Burrow. And I just think he, he's maybe not an elite passer, but he's accurate. He's tough. He'll sit in there. I mean, how's a quarterback get sacked nine times in a, in a playoff game on the road in Nashville? and still find a way to, to come out of it with a victory. And I just I think, you know, when you watched him late in that game, when you hit a quarterback like that, their footwork is is, is begin sometimes can be compromised. They won't sit in there. The ball's coming out a bit early. They're not they're not willing to take the hit. Not this guy. This guy's tough as nails. I'm with you. And Hembo just gave me a great stat here. During the regular season, Stafford actually threw the most interceptions of any team in the sport of any quarterback. Burrow took the most sacks of any quarterback in the league. So it might come down to which weakness is either more or less magnified by the quarterback slash the offensive team. We'll see what happens on Sunday. Rich, I'll let you go. I know you're busy out there this week. Thank you so much. Enjoy the week and the game, and we will check in again soon. Thanks for doing this. Greeny, you're the best at what you do, brother. Thanks for having well, me. Well, thank you. It's Rich Gannon with us here. Again, he was the MVP. Oh, I forgot to ask him about the tuck rule. Um, is he still sitting there? Nuno, I, I, I screwed that up. I should have asked him about that. I, we, we aired the 30 for 30 last night, and I didn't get a chance to see it. I, I, I did some uh, work for it. I have no idea if they wound up using me or not, but they, they, I was one of the people they talked to about it. Um, but he was obviously the quarterback of the Raiders that year, and he was the MVP of the NFL that year when they wind up losing to New England on that ridiculous game. It was the year after the tuck rule he won the MVP. Oh, he was the MVP the next year. In 2002, the but year he was the Super Bowl. Also very good. They went to the yeah. Super Bowl was and Pro was Bowl awesome. Okay, fair mm-hmm. enough. I forgot to ask him about that, but that's not, it's not as relevant to what's going on right now as otherwise. You know what? I, 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 want, I want to save plenty of time to get into all the basketball that I had planned here, so let's dive into that for a minute. So, Hembo, if I were to make the statement, Joe Burrow, who is, what is he, 24 years old? And Matthew Stafford turns 34 today. That's right. So Stafford has been in the league 10, 11 years longer than Burrow and is 10 years older. Burrow just turned 25, by the way. So he's nine years older Mm -hmm. and has been in the league a decade longer. And yet I would argue Joe Burrow has more big game experience in his life than Matthew Stafford does. Does that hold water? It does. You even go back to Stafford's college career. He played one New Year's Six Bowl. It was a 41-10 win over Hawaii. It was like the worst bowl game of all time. You might remember that game. Hawaii obviously had no right being there. And this is his first run to, the, you know, to, to a Super Bowl, obviously given all of his time in Detroit. And what we know, 
is that Joe Burrow has been nails in these circumstances. He played like four huge games in 2019, not only played well uh, at LSU during those, during those games, didn't even throw a single interception, and his numbers were off the charts. So right. I, I agree with that sentiment. It's not just recently. The entire body of work would suggest that Joe Burrow has played uh, more big games than Matthew Stafford and played incredibly well while doing so. L- let me give you the specific numbers. He has played seven de facto playoff games. Now, you're the one who gave me this stat. That, that, that would mean the three he's played thus far mm-hmm. here, the two that he played in college, and what are the other two? The other two are the SEC championship right, that year, right. and then the game at Alabama, which okay. determined that. So massive games, monster games. In those seven games, he has averaged 363 yards passing per game. He has thrown 23 touchdowns and two interceptions, and his team is 7-0. and Three of those games, they've been an underdog. Along the way, he has actually beaten Nick Saban, Kirby Smart, Dabo Sweeney, and Andy Reid, <laughs> all of whom are championship-winning and Hall of Fame head coaches. All of them will wind up in their respective halls of fame, and he has beaten them all. So the idea that he's an underdog this week strikes me as insane. So do you buy that? Let me bring Bubba into this conversation. We've not yet had a chance to hear from hashtag Bubba and hashtag Nuno today. Bubba, do you buy that? Joe Burrow has more big game experience. Stafford has played three playoff games in his career, lost all three. Now, I don't mean this necessarily as a knock on. One of them them was the Cowboys, right? And the, the, the games are so nondescript, I can't remember them. I want to say they lost to Seattle one year in a playoff game, like on a Saturday night. Do I have that right? I think it was New Orleans, wasn't it? I don't remember who they, that, that's the point. Like the, the Lions playoff games are so unmemorable. I can't even remember. I remember the Cowboy game because there was a questionable call. That right call. And in, in that game, yeah, the, the Cowboy fans loved it. <laughs> Didn't they lose to Seattle on yes. a Saturday night? That's right. They lost to Seattle 26 to 6, and they also lost to New Orleans 45 to 28. Okay, so. Plus the wow. Dallas game. They got killed in two of the three games, yeah. and then the Cowboy game was somewhat controversial. So is it fair to say that while Stafford is the veteran and Burrow was in his second year, that the the experience, the edge in quarterback experience, actually goes to Cincinnati in this Super Bowl, Bubba. Yeah, I think I think it's uh, I think it's more than fair. I think it makes perfect sense, especially because the things we're talking about, Stafford, those were five, six, seven years ago. You can't even remember what they were. What game was that? Who knows? This is Burrow. It's recent. It just happened. It, Burrow. It's like big game after big game after mm. big game after big game. And he just wins. So I think it makes perfect sense, and I'm with you. That's what's on your mind. Brought to you by My Computer Career, training for a better life with the assembled members of the hashtag crew. Nuno, you are next. It, 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 who has the edge in this in the quarterback matchup in this Super Bowl? Is it Burrow or is it Stafford? I think it's Burrow. I think at, if even if they go down in this game, there's not going to be a point, I think, that you're questioning Joe Burrow and can he – bring the team back can he make the right play whereas I think with Stafford you're going to feel that pressure I think he's going to feel that pressure because let's just go back to a you know a week ago he threw an interception that would have ended the game if they catch it like or mm-hmm. at least you know San Francisco's going to score there tart. yes yeah. like mm. he threw that there's been a lot of questionable contrary to what Dan Orlovsky says on every platform that he's on there were some questionable decisions and some questionable p- plays and I think everyone like believes that Joe Burrow will make the right play. Look, you have to take Orlovsky out of it. I love Dan. 
He is one of my favorite people. He is one of the best analysts of quarterback play that there is working in the industry. But he is hopelessly biased when it comes to Stafford, and I have no issue with it. Like today, we asked who has the advantage at quarterback in the Super Bowl. He said Stafford. Look, if I said who has the advantage, Matthew Stafford or Johnny Unitas in his prime, he would take Stafford. <laughs> if I said Matthew Stafford or Joe Montana in his prime, he would take Stafford. I have no issue with it. He makes he doesn't really he makes no bones about it. But I think. It has to be said, Joe Burrow was losing 21-3 on the road against Mahomes in a stadium. Everyone talks about how impossible it is to go into Kansas City and win there, even though in the playoffs, everyone seems to. <laughs> the idea that Kansas City is a tough place to play, we need to get that out of the that conversation. That and Green Bay, both. Right, that and Green Bay. Both. Green Bay, at least for a while, was a hard place to play <laughs> yeah. in the playoffs. Now it, it is, an, I mean, more teams wind up winning there than losing there. But Kansas City, all they've had for the most part is enormous playoff disappointment. That's right, and that's with Joe Montana and 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 Patrick Mahomes and all these guys. They've mm-hmm. lost a lot of home playoff games. So anyway. I think that the quarterback edge in the Super Bowl belongs to Cincinnati. I'd like to come to the defense of Dan Orlovsky, Joe, for just, a, for just a moment, because Dan often says there's no quarterback in the fourth quarter who I trust more than Matthew Stafford. But we know he's biased. However, Greeny, Matthew Stafford has won, including the playoffs, 89 games in his career. And amongst those 89 games, 44 have required a game-winning drive, meaning if he finds a way to do that again this weekend, 45 of his 90 career wins have been on his back. That's a pretty impressive number. Look, he threw the big pass that winds up beating Tampa in that game, mm-hmm. you know, against Brady. But outside of that, they let the Bucks back in that game. They had that game put away, and they turned it over repeatedly. Sure. Now, that was the game where they turned it over four times, and none of them was an interception, um, which those of us who had Matthew Stafford in the over of plus five interceptions <laughs> were very frustrated to see. Um, but we'll see. Anyway, that, that's, that, that to me is one of the interesting sidebars of this Super Bowl. The edge in big game experience for the quarterbacks goes to the kid, goes to Burrow. All right, I didn't get to what I had planned, but I promise I will next. The worst thing that could happen to a sport is about to happen to a sport. Greeny, the podcast. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. All right. Greeny with you here. Presented by Progressive Insurance. Save when you bundle auto, home, or motorcycle insurance. Visit Progressive.com. So I, I told you the worst thing that could happen to a sport is about to happen to a sport. And the sport is the NBA, which through my entire childhood has been my favorite sport. I grew up more than anything a basketball fan sitting in the smoke-filled seats of Madison Square Garden next to my dad. To this day, I love the way a cigar smells because when I was six, people would smoke them inside the garden and we go to the Nick games. And the regular season of the NBA has been dangerously devalued. And, and I don't want to go through the whole history of that. It began with Greg Popovich and it has become a real problem in the sport. But if what I think is about to happen happens, then I think it goes to an entirely other level. So let me say two things at the same time. One, the Brooklyn Nets are awful. They've lost eight straight games. 
They don't look like a team that could compete with anyone at all. Their defensive efficiency numbers going back to like the middle of December are the worst in the NBA. They can't stop anybody. And what's worse, they don't look like they really particularly care. James Harden is sitting out games left and right that it certainly feels like if, if, it, if they mattered more, he'd be playing. Durant is hurt, and what can you do about that? We all know about the situation with Kyrie. So all those things are true. What is also true at the same time is they remain the betting favorite in Las Vegas to win the championship. And Las Vegas isn't wrong, and none of us think they're wrong. If those three guys are healthy and active and even remotely invested by the time the playoffs start, I do think they will win the East. In fact, I don't know. I mean, I I watch Phoenix play. Phoenix is obviously great. Golden State, let's see exactly what they look like when when they're all together and, and Clay has his legs a little more under him and Draymond comes back. But I think if those three guys are fully healthy, I think there's an excellent chance the Nets win the championship. Now, here we are on February, whatever today is, 7th, wherever we are. We're in February, and the three of them have played 32 minutes together. 32 minutes this season. So I ask you, Hembo, what will it mean for the league if the Nets just sit out the regular season and win the championship? It will mean that the regular season is totally meaningless, not just kind of meaningless. Even going back to last year, these three players have only played 16 games together, a total of 364 minutes over the last two years. So it demonstrates, I think, your point very clearly. They're very easy to, to, to root against, and that's obviously what I'm doing in addition to almost every basketball fan in the country. But I ultimately think that you're wrong in the sense that I don't consider, at least I don't consider them the favorite to do so, even though Vegas does, because there, ha- there has some, there's, there's something to be said for continuity. And there are teams in the league that are excellent, that are less talented. And I think once you sort of butt up against those teams in the playoffs, I actually think they will lose. Hold on a minute. Mm-hmm. Let's go to the playoffs, okay? Let's go to your Sixers, who are the darlings of the Eastern Conference right now. And I think Joel Embiid, if I had, well, I will have an MVP vote. If I had to vote today, I would vote Embiid the MVP of the league. Mm. Right this minute, I would vote him the MVP of the league. But when they get into the playoffs, and you've got Durant scoring from anywhere he wants, anytime he wants, and no Ben Simmons, who would be the best defensive wing option they have, and those games get into a half-court scenario, and you got those three options. Now, again, the Kyrie is only going to be there half the games is a factor. But the Sixers are going to have a better record, so the Nets are going to have four games worth of Kyrie. Who wins that series? The Nets win that series. In the right. Eastern Conference, the team that I think is likelier to win is actually Milwaukee. It's Milwaukee. Yeah. So, so, Nuno, let me come to you. Milwaukee will have home court advantage against the Nets. Four games of Kyrie, Harden, and Durant. The Nets should have beat them, easily should have, let me rephrase that, could have beaten them last year. Durant, if his foot was one inch shorter, um, would have made a three to beat them last year. And when they were even remotely healthy in that series, the Nets were winning that game, those games by 30 points. So those three guys against Milwaukee in a best of seven, four games of Kyrie, who wins? I still think the Nets might. If you're giving me a healthy Harden, a healthy Durant, and four games of Kyrie, I right. think the Nets will win that. I think they win it easily, to be honest with you. I mean, look, basketball is a game where the best players win. And I, I have great respect for the other guys, all the other good players on that team, Middleton and Drew and those guys. But at the end of the day, when you put together the four best players on the court at any given time, three of them play for Brooklyn and the other one is Giannis. 
Because Kyrie, I mean, you watch him play. Look, Kyrie, all the issues in the world you have with the guy for any number of reasons. But when you just watch him play with the ball in his hands, he's ridiculous. He's so ridiculously good. Then you get to Miami. Miami, Milwaukee, Philly, who else in the East are we even taking seriously at this point? Miami? You think Miami beats those guys? No, I don't think Miami beats Me neither. So they're in the final. And they're going to play, they will have four games of Kyrie in the NBA Finals against either Golden State or Phoenix. Memphis is a great story. Utah's good. It'll be either Golden State or Phoenix. So, I mean, at this point, I think we've already given them a 50-50 chance of winning the championship or something like that. And I'll take my chances with those three guys for four games against the other guys. I mean, the only series in history where the, the, the point spread will be based upon the road team rather than the home team. <laughs> but that's what it'll be. So that's where we are. And I get that the circumstances are unique. I'm not knocking Durant at all. He's hurt and that's it. What are you going to do? He's hurt. And the Kyrie thing, look, that's a whole other. It's like an unprecedented set of circumstances in NBA history. And Harden, who knows what's going on in his head. But Woj tells me over and over again they're not going to trade him. So that that trio, plus the pieces they put around him, are going to make a run at this thing. And if they're healthy, I think they're going to win the whole thing. We'll continue in a moment on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio and see it with the video on ESPN+. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcast.